Hello. Welcome to the Phoenix Nest, the podcast where we read romance novels and then talk about them at great length in front of a microphone. My name is Jess. And I'm Kat. And today we are missing Bethany again. Uh, this time it's not for homework reasons. This time Bethany is ill. Um, you might notice that Kat sounds a little strange as well. She's also ill. And by some great miracle, I managed to not get sick. I still don't know how or why my body will catch up. I'll get sick like two weeks from now. Guaranteed. Yeah, I was told at work last week, like, oh, you're probably getting sick. And I was like, no, no, I'm fine. And then I was told, oh, it's in the incubation stage. And I was like... Was it a science teacher? Oh, it sure was. (laughs) It sure was. I was like, you better be wrong. If you jinx me, I'm going to be really mad. And then guess who was sick on Tuesday and got sent home? It was you. Uh, so while we're on the topic of illnesses and being disgusting human beings and epidemiology and epidemiology, uh, we are going to be discussing discussing. I'm going to say that we're going to be discussing. We're going to discuss a princess in theory by Alyssa Cole. The main character, Naledi Smith, is an epidemiologist or she's studying to become one. And it was like the highlight of my book. I just I loved every second of her being like, I'm studying diseases. And then the hero of the book going, but why? I loved that he just didn't understand the like the whole first good portion of it. He's like, but that's beneath you. Why would you do that? And then towards the end, she has her moment to shine. And he's just like, you are my queen. Fuck yes. And I'm like, right from the beginning, Prince the Biso. Yes, Absolutely. So, first impressions, reading the back, this is like, oh, cool, we have people of color, that's a new thing, we have a very millennium, millennial? Millennial? Now who's saying words wrong? No, millennial-driven story, the content, the language that's used, the actual things that are happening within the relationship for the characters, all of that is very, very present, Yeah, but it was still royal, which I thought was amazing. It was a contemporary novel in that it was set in current time, but it had royals. There was a prince, which I thought was phenomenal. I fucking loved it every second. I think that's one of the misconceptions. Like, if you do royalty, it's going to be like old school Queen of England, Victorian era. Regency era. And we don't actually need that because there are still monarchies small or big as they may be listen to me the royal family yeah the royal family current is i would do anything for the queen of england right now if she was like lick my shoe after her corgis licked it yes please sign me up i'll fucking do it i love the queen she's so cool she's adorable she puts up with no one's bullshit either and that's probably why she's my role model she's great i love her Oh, yeah, and they made, like, a Funko Pop of her. And I don't own it? Yeah, it comes with a corgi, essentially, <sighs> and she has a, like, hot pink outfit on with a feather on the hat. Oh, my God. I saw a post about it, how someone, like, freaked out. I am immediately getting on Amazon and buying that Yeah, you tonight. need to look. It's adorable. I fucking love the queen. I love the idea of putting a royal family in a modern romance and my first impressions actually came from the concept, 
we've all gotten those shitty spam emails. So the whole concept of this is um, our heroine, now Letty Smith, is receiving emails at the beginning of the book stating that she is the betrothed to this honorable Prince Thabiso from Thesolo. And she's like, well, no, I'm not. Who the fuck is that? Delete. And she keeps getting these emails. And I loved the idea of quote unquote spam emails basically saying who you are and she's like you're a liar because we've all gotten those you've won a million dollars your great uncle died or i'm a nigerian prince and i'm giving all of my money to you and she thinks it's a scam and i think it's hysterical in that that's not something we normally see in a romance novel i just thought it was so much fun i thought it was gonna be a blast and then i also liked that it was characters who are people of color and it's written by an own voices author I thought it was great. I love when an author who is an author of color writes characters of color. And I think currently in the romance world, we need so much more of that. There's not enough of that. We're getting basic white authors writing basic white characters, and they're all the same. And I think having an author of color writing characters of color brings so much more into those characters' lives, and we're seeing a lot more diversity and less, this is a stale white character. Right. I thought it was great. I loved it. And I'm not just saying that because I met Alyssa, but she's beautiful. I loved her. (laughs) She was so sweet. And uh, Alyssa, if you ever listen to this, thank you so much for signing my books. Um, So what do we want to talk about first? Is there anything coming to mind that you want to open up with? Do we want to open up with the emails? We already discussed that. We already talked about that. Can we talk a little bit about how driven she is for being a woman of color in the STEM field and how she's not going to let anything get in her way? She's She'd rather eat ramen and be hella poor so long as that means she's going to get her shit done. She does not want to have a boyfriend. She thinks it's a waste of time. Uh, yeah, we can definitely start there. I think that it's a big statement for an author to put in their romance novel, especially like this person is going to reach a goal. And regardless of whether or not it's a person of color, it's important that we understand that it's a very conscious choice to make it so that you're not saying that your main character's only goal is to find a man. Because normally, the man is like the one that fixes all the problems. And I think especially this day and age for people who are like our age or younger, it's really important to be told like you don't have to be married. You don't have to have a family. You don't have to do anything you don't want to do. And it's okay to focus on your own career and college and if that means you're going to be poor and eat ramen congratulations you're an american college student like that's what you're doing i loved that it was very much you don't need a man to save you for anything and at no point in the entire book did she ever say maybe i do need him to help me she didn't like when he would buy her things because it made her feel guilty She had a lot of guilt surrounding money, and that felt so incredibly real for a character. And to see that in a romance, 
is is so fascinating i don't see that in normal contemporary romances where the character is like i don't have any money and but don't don't buy me anything i don't want you to do that they focused a lot on the characters as actual real people they felt probably the realest out of any characters i have ever read and I've read a lot. You They're know very that. relatable. They're very, very relatable. And I think that's why I connected so well with it and why I connected so well with the characters themselves. Yes, I would absolutely agree. I think that the way that each character is introduced and described and I guess applied to the actual storyline is something that makes them relatable. And I think that's really really important because even though the prince the savior the whatever is kind of this untouchable above everything else kind of thing he's also not afraid to put in some work and that's something that you don't see a lot in romances either i like um also the character development between the two characters there was a lot of character growth you start at the beginning with two different characters you've got naledi and then you've got thabiso and Naledi is the driven, hardworking college student who is poor. She knows she doesn't have a lot of money. She doesn't have the latest, greatest when it comes to technology. She doesn't have the best clothes. She's a waitress. She doesn't have a lot. And then she's you have a typical grad student. She's a typical grad student. And then you have the prince, Prince Thabiso. He comes in. He's got money. He's handsome. He's got the latest everything. And throughout the book, it's a lot about class, where each of them sits in their own particular classes. She is poor. He is rich. And they don't understand each other based on that alone. She doesn't understand how he can do these things. He's just a quote unquote trust fund baby because she doesn't know who he is. Right. A good majority of the book. She has no idea who he is. And he doesn't understand why she only eats ramen and why she lives in a studio apartment and why she can't do these things that he's doing. He doesn't get it. And he doesn't understand what it means to not have something. And I found it fascinating to watch their character growth throughout the book in that suddenly they started to realize what life was like for the other person. And that's not something that's generally explored in romance. You know, it's not, well... I'm poor, but I kind of see where he's coming from. Or It's not quite the walk a mile in the other person's shoes take. Yeah. It's more coming from a place of understanding. It, it, it very much is. Very much is. I just liked that you saw the actual growth happen through the characters. It wasn't instantaneous. It no. wasn't this huge climactic moment where like suddenly their mind is changed. No, it wasn't. It wasn't like that at all for any of the changes. Yeah, they had to actually go through it and kind of work it out themselves. There wasn't anybody to tell them, this is how it is. And they told each other. I mean, they talked to each other a lot. um, And it it was just fascinating to kind of see where that went with both of the characters. I also really liked that the secondary characters weren't just shitty, blah, dumb characters. They all had substance. There was a reason why they did what they did. And it wasn't simply because the next couple books are about these characters. Okay, so jumping off of that, we've started this book with Letty Mm -hmm. and then with Lakotsi because she's super, super important. And we'll get into it. I know, I can see you wanting to already, like, spew my absolute love love of Lakotsi, which is great. (laughs) 
But we start out with those two, and we immediately go into how much Letty hates where she works in her department. Yes. So it's really worth mentioning that the idea of especially an ethnic person, a female specifically, Mm -hmm. in a STEM field, which is science, technology, engineering, math, is a real problem because it's very male-dominated. It's very white male-dominated. Right. And they control the funding. So Mm -hmm. whoever is lab you're in, whoever is in charge of that department is who's going to control your funding regardless of the government being, you know, in charge of, like, who gets what funding. Yeah. But her frustration with the man that runs her lab is just so real. It's so real. Not that I work in a lab or I have worked in a lab, but as an ethnic female who has worked with predominantly white males in charge of me, mm-hmm. I can feel that frustration where you're like, I know how to do my job. Just leave me alone and I will do it properly. I That was probably one of the realest things I have ever read. Now, I am a white female. I'll openly state that i'm i'm not anything but nearly see-through uh but it was written in such a way that i could understand but i also understand that it is a white male driven workforce you know and i know what it's like to deal with white men that feel entitled and to see her Later on in the book, stand up to this particular character. Uh, Brian, go fuck yourself. <laughs> I cannot tell you what kind of victory lap I did around this tiny ass apartment when she like laid into him towards the end. Uh, it was amazing. I love that Alyssa made her a real person, something that was relatable. And I'm really glad that you as, I, I guess we could call you a woman of color a multiracial a multi an f an ethic 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 nope (laughs) not the word i'm looking for race or other on any form i'm given well yeah you should how would i it was fascinating to see her work life and it wasn't just her work life in the lab it was her work life in the institute's um, restaurant as well right. and how she's treated differently because she is a woman and she is working the wait staff and these expectations of what she should be and, and what she should do and even Thabiso gets into that um, at some point he calls her a Saint Bernard uh, they got into it at the restaurant uh, but at that point that kind of goes into Thabiso's thing um, they meet for the very first time while Naletti is at the Institute restaurant. She's yes. working and he comes in and she thinks she's training a new guy. She knows she is. And his name is Jamal. And Jamal is caught at the door by Thabiso and Lakotsi and given money to go away. Yeah, which is insane. He's like, just give him $15,000. Just give him the money. That's and... how much he needs, right? Yeah. Just go give him the money. Don't worry about it. And he walks in and Letty says, oh, Jamal, you're here. Take this kale out to the table. And he's like, fuck it. If this is what it means to actually meet my betrothed, may as well. And he plays along and he plays along for far too long. 
Um, he never tells Letty who he actually is because he thinks so long as she thinks I'm Jamal, nothing bad can happen. Right. And this is where Lakotsi comes in. My queen, my favorite. I cannot express in words how much I love her. Um, she comes in and she keeps telling him he has to tell the truth. Things are not going to go well. And throughout the book, you you think, okay, yeah, he needs to tell the truth, but how bad can it be? Then you kind of understand, you, you start to learn more about the characters and you kind of understand their way of th- thinking. And Letty didn't live a particularly good childhood. Unfortunately, she was an orphan. Her parents died when she was very young and she's got a lot of trust issues. And when you learn about her trust issues, you start to question Thabiso's actions and you start to question how angry she's going to be is she going to be angry what's this going to do to their relationship spoiler alert she's pissed uh but it was it was interesting to to see and go along with the characters did you ever at any point kind of want to yell at him to just tell the fucking truth i struggled a lot because i kind of understood where he was coming from that was the hard part because you're like yeah he needs to like tell her like absolutely he has to tell her who he is and where she's from and all that stuff but as someone who would have been overwhelmed had someone just came up to you like hey uh we've been emailing you and you're not responding i would have just freaked out and run away and so i kind of understand why he did what he did because he did it the right way first yeah he had Lakotsi look for her. She found her. And then it didn't matter. Because she was like, whatever. These are just spam loser emails. She sent an email back that said, fuck, period, off, period. And it's really ballsy. It was amazing. I love, love, love how ballsy all these characters are. I loved it. I thought it was amazing. But I want some badass females, even in a contemporary romance. Oh, for sure. Because they, they feel more real when they don't give a single fuck. Um, especially for a New Yorker. <laughs> like, they just don't give a shit. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but it was... I had those moments where I was like, okay, well, I understand where he's coming from. But at the same time, I understand where she's coming from. I mean, she had a shitty childhood. She bounced from foster home to foster home her entire childhood. She has a lot of trust issues based on that. And she has a hard time letting people in. She calls herself broken Velcro. Right. Nothing sticks. Nothing sticks. That was the saddest conversation i think that she and thabiso had when she told him i'm broken velcro but again something that's super relatable yeah because when you can't find your place you can't find your person your whatever you're like niche yeah you do feel like well what's wrong with me why is this not working and it's not really that it's you it's that anxiety ridden feeling that you're not good enough Mm -hmm. for anyone or anything in that situation and knowing that she came from so many foster homes and not knowing who she is and why she doesn't want to know who she is really explains that really well yeah i wanted her to have kind of an aha moment where she went 
I really do need to know my past. I need to know who I am. She states at one point that she doesn't need a past. She's been in the past. She didn't like it. It wasn't for her. She doesn't want to know anything further back from what she already remembers. We've covered a lot about Jamal. Fake Jamal. Fake Jamal. Lying. Lying sack of shit. Fake Jamal. uh, Letty's past and why she is the way she is. I think it's important that we talk maybe about what her support system actually is, which isn't an actual support system at all. Portia. It's her best friend who kind of really sucks. Yeah. And I don't, so, okay, so I did start reading Portia's story. Okay. And I do like her better in the story, but it's really important to point out that this is reformed Portia. It doesn't cover her crazy alcoholism and need for therapy no it jumps into her adventure as a new person as as she's already realized well i if you remember in this book though portia's character development we don't see on page because at this point it's towards the end of the book the whole thing going on with the virus that's going around and there was a couple week span where she was in the solo and Portia at that point was taking care of her shit. Um, towards the end of it, they talk and she talks about having gone to a therapist. Right. And that seemed to be because Letty not talking to her was the catalyst of like that was it. Like, well, oh, she can't put up with me anymore. As someone who has such good friends, such as yourself, if it were ever a situation where I went off the deep end and you quit speaking to me because of going off the deep end my first thought was oh fuck i messed up i should probably go get some help so that i can get my friendship back i can understand where Porsche's coming from we didn't see it on paper and i kind of would have hoped that we could have gotten a little bit of that or at least more talk between her and letty in regards to that situation so Porsche is a really frustrating character for me because she does a lot of things that are seen as nice, which are things I think people struggle with, like giving large gifts or being like, don't worry, I've got you, I'll cover you. And I understand that that's difficult for people, especially because I'm usually the person who's like, no, don't worry about it. It's fine. Yeah. And um, it makes I understand me uncomfortable. that that can be frustrational. But it's think, hard. Yeah. I it's think it's that's- difficult to someone who is kind of in Letty's situation where she is poor most of the time. Right. And I think that for me, I don't come from a rich family, but as a product of the way I was raised, if you can afford to do something and it's not this crazy giant stretch, there's not a reason you shouldn't unless it's become a crutch for someone. And so I kind of see that in Portia, but she does it in such an over the top way. Yeah, there's like too much. Like I'll bring my friends presents, but I won't redo their bathrooms. That whole, she broke a candle in the bathroom and suddenly she's like, we'll redecorate. I'll buy you a new candle and new towels. And you need, and Letty's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I have my own money. My towels are fine. And if you remember in that scene, she doesn't even remember a candle being in the bathroom. She's like, what candle? There was a what? There was a what in there? So there are parts of Portia that I understand, not necessarily because I feel they're reflected within my own character, um, but because they do remind me a lot of other people that I have also dealt with. Mm-hmm. And when I talked to you before about Portia, I told you I felt like she was the Samantha of this story, this mm-hmm. meaning the Samantha from Sex and the City. She's reckless. She's like 
fuck off everyone else i'm gonna do what i want which is a great way to be normally like normally like yeah do your own thing but she's so reckless that it's like destroying not just her and letty's relationship but her relationship with her sister and it's causing a lot of tension do you think though we're gonna get in a little bit about her sister her sister reggie has a novella which i also own and will be reading having not read anything past this book knowing that reggie is in a wheelchair right due to an illness from her childhood do you think a lot of portia's reckless behavior has something to do with the fact that reggie is in a wheelchair it definitely could it's it's difficult to say because there could be a lot of things that are attention sinking there could be a lot of things that are just i don't understand myself i need validation okay and I think just, I don't know, the recklessness really, really bothers me. It's difficult. And I think it bothers you because we have such great friendships. I mean, we've got a really tight knit group. Right. Really tight knit group. Yes. And I think that it's difficult to read a character who's supposedly the best friend of our heroine. Yes. And it's difficult to see this best friend character be reckless in a kind of destructive manner because it's concerning for us to think that could be one of my friends because we were able to relate to Letty on such a deep level that it was oh, upsetting to have the best friend character be so destructive like if it were us and one of us was that destructive how upset would we be i mean considering that in the past i have had friends that are this destructive uh they have a cycle they have the alcoholism they have the i'm gonna do what i want yeah you can't stop me kind of factor which normally you're like great do whatever you want but once it starts creating situations where you could be put in danger oh yeah or you are actually harming yourself or you're just putting too much strain on my life it becomes a really really difficult self-preservation game and it's like i love you but i am not your babysitter you're an adult get your shit together and stop acting this way and i think a lot of the reason why we had a hard time with portia and understanding her as a character is because we don't live that life, but we do live the life that Letty kind of leads and that, you know, we have to be the safe best friend. And Well, you know, I, I had that recklessness when I was a lot younger. I think we all I did. first started college, like normal people, right? Yeah. Where you have a little streak of rebelliousness, you want to party, you want to go out all the time, whatever. And I learned very quickly that it was awful to be the person that everyone was cleaning up after. Because I suddenly turn into the person cleaning up after everyone. And once you have turned that point, you can no longer have fun. No. Like, people throwing up in their own purses is gross. Oh, my God. Yeah, not a good time. I remember that. People wanting to leave with mm-hmm. strangers. Not a good time. bars. Or people trying to, like, touch you all the time. Like, there is a very fine line between this is a good time and this is inappropriate and awful and and dangerous yeah and i think portia walks that line every single night that she's in the story and i think letty it just drives her crazy because she doesn't have the luxury of being able to do that not just the money but the luxury of not being able or not having to i guess 
take responsibility. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest problem because, hey, do what you want. But if you're going to be responsible for yourself, you have to actually be responsible for yourself. I really enjoyed the differences between the two, between the two with Portia and Letty. Yes. But Portia was frustrating. Portia was incredibly frustrating. And she was in, she was frustrating towards the end because there's that moment that is the turning point where. Which was so unexpected. It was. Because normal climax during a romance novel is, oh, I'm so in love with you. And we didn't have that. We had this bullshit experience of horror and. Shock. Shock. And anger. There was so and, much anger. And a weird sense of, like, loss. There was a very large sense of loss. Loss of, like, trust. Loss of sense of self in that moment. And you're just like, oh, my God, what happened? It was awful. But as a turning point, very good. Very oh. well thought out. Very well played out. Really infuriating. It was one of those where I knew leading up to the like I was going, this is going to happen. It's going to be absolute bullshit. And when it did happen and it was absolute bullshit, I still went, oh, fuck. As someone who connects with Letty a lot, I share with her the moment that you see someone in a place you don't expect them. Yeah, you and do. <laughs> I Like, you have no idea. I go into like a full on panic attack. And it's so stupid. Like, they're just living their lives, but I'm like, holy shit, where'd you come from? And then you want to vomit. That time we went to Ross and saw that person who's married and has a child, <laughs> and we went, what? <laughs> Anytime I go to a Ross, I'm just like, oh, who am I going to see from the Target days? Oh, Why? Target. Oh, God. And then you have to decide, like, are you going to be able to handle this with grace? And let me tell you, no. No. Like, Nine times out of ten, you can't handle it at all, let alone handle it with grace. Like, I feel like I do okay because I get out of there. Like, I do what I'm supposed to be doing and I just leave. <laughs> fine. But in the event someone is like, hey, aren't you? And I'm like, oh, God, why? Oh, fuck. Because <laughs> that happens to me a lot. It does. It when happens to you a say, whole lot. oh, hey, how have you been? And I'm like, oh, okay. I never wanted to talk Don't to you again. Touch thanks. Me, gotta leave. Bye. <laughs> Bye. I'm not good at getting out of those situations either. I just... Let's talk about that turning point because okay, so well, much happens. So the buildup is really important. So Mrs. Garcia is gone. Because mm -hmm. she's in Puerto Rico visiting family because. As a gift from the prince of Sosolo. What, what was his reasoning though? Do you remember what his reasoning was? If I can stay in the apartment across from Letty. I can get to know her. I can get to know her. an awful way to get to know Dock her somebody. a little bit. I'm going to stalk her. And we'll fall in love. Anyways, I mean, so kind of. fake Jamal lives in this squeaky clean, floral, plastic-covered couch apartment. <laughs> and he is stalkery. And Lakota's like, yo, you're a stalker. And he's like, no, it's fine. And then he suddenly is, oh, yeah, I'm a stalker. And there's no backing out. Like, there's nope. no way he cannot be there. And it's just too late. Yep. And so they do slowly kind of get real friendly. Mm -hmm. And they do end up sleeping together. Which can we was... point out the sex scenes in this book were on point. Mm -hmm. Alyssa Cole knows how to write a sex scene and she knows what bodies do. Without being gross, though. Yeah, without, being, without disgusting. being gross. 
And it was, I never once while reading any of the sex scenes went, wait, where are their body parts? Yeah, like we get what you're doing. Like you, you literally understand where everything is happening and where arms and legs and, and you're positions. Like, make sense. That's well, you know, not a thing. Because the the last one we read, I was like, wait, huh? Because you didn't understand how you got from point A to point B location wise, let alone position wise. Yeah, but with these sex scenes, yeah, I knew fine. every time. Yeah, it was great. It was the lead up, you know, the relationship that she's starting to form with fake Jamal, whom she thinks is Jamal, but is really a prince. It's one of, I can't be with him because I have other things to do with my life and it's going to cause drama. I am broken Velcro. Right. She has all these things holding her back. And he kind of has some things that are holding him as, him back as well. Mainly they're her hangups. Right, especially because he can see she's not actually willing. Like, he thought he was coming in, sweeping her off her feet. Here's this great life for you. We're going to get married. And then he figures out this isn't the woman who wants that or needs that. This is a woman who is so independent and puts so much importance on their independence that it would be wrong to, in a way, like, try to tame her. Mm -hmm. And he can understand the value in that for someone like Letty. And I think that's also super important. Yeah. So, towards... So, they sleep together. They sleep together. They sleep together twice. Because the first time was... First time. (laughs) Was... Was, Naughtiness on the couch. Was some naughtiness on the plastic-covered couch. Ugh, that sounds awful. It sounds awful. It sounds sweaty. But can we point out that it's probably better than fucking on a mink throw? Because, like, I would... It's like a weird would you rather. Like, <laughs> which Would you rather? Like, if I have to choose on the plastic couch, sure. So here are your options. A Marquess on a mink throw or a prince on a plastic-covered floral couch. I guess the couch... I- I don't know. I'm, I'm going, going with the, the fur. I'm going with the couch, well, hands down, always, because I hate hair. Yeah. And the idea of being sweaty on a mink throw is just beyond it's being me. sweaty in general, I can't stand. Yeah, I can't do that. It's not. Anyways, anyways, so they have their sexy time. Twice. Right. Yep. And then everything kind of implodes. Because we find out that Portia has this super rich family and they're going to this event where she's like, hey, Letty, all this stuff is going wrong in your life. You didn't get that internship. Come with me to this. Talk to this person who's in charge of this other internship you'd be great at Mm -hmm. and impress them and it'll be great. Yeah. And so Letty's like, I don't really want to, but Portia's my best friend and this is a good opportunity to meet that person and whatever. And... Because my internship fell through, because the funding went away. Because of the government. (laughs) Fuck the government. FBI guy, if you're listening to this, I love you. Thank you for reading my text messages. (laughs) She does think it's a good idea because she gets to meet this other person. So she does go. Yes. Um, But at one point when she's speaking to Portia prior to the big climax, Portia makes a comment that they need to talk before and then she See, says this makes me mad at Portia too this like, makes me angry at Portia as a best friend your job is to lay it on me 
Listen, if I do it every day have for a you. Thing going on. <laughs> you need to tell me honestly what that thing is. And yeah, it could be, oh, don't worry, you're not being crazy. Or it could be, hey, that guy you're crushing on is actually a prince and he's going to be a keynote speaker. So prepare yourself for that. I feel like because of our friendship, you and I, and our friendship with Bethany and our friendship with our other friends outside of our group, we are all the type of people who will 100% text our friends and say, hey, you need to take a deep breath and you need to step back because oh, I've got God, some yeah. shit for you. That's just how all of us are. We'll do it. I'll, I text you all the time. No, you're being a little insane. Um, <laughs> I love you, but don't do that. Chill out. Chill out. Chill. Calm down. Take Which a deep breath. Right. But to have a best friend, someone whom you trust implicitly and knowing that this person that is trusting you has no family. You are literally her life. Why the fuck would you keep something that heavy to yourself and allow her to go to this fucking gala knowing that she's going to be devastated, that she's her whole life is going to implode even further than her life has already imploded? Can I just, okay, so can I just do like a little spoiler for you? Go ahead. Okay, so in Portia's book, uh-huh. what really ticked me off that relates to this book uh-huh. is that she is celebrated as this person who is able to find any information on the internet about anyone or anything which means she knew about the prince being who he was from the get-go from a very long time ago but didn't say anything so or at least that's what i took as the implication that bitch so it was just like oh why why listen if i had the skills to do it um your sister has the skills oh yeah no she is shamelessly our sleuth i love it i can text her anything and she'll find it for me but to have those skills to do those things and to knowingly take your best friend to this gala right and watch her life explode what kind of person does that make you see this is i think the actual turning point for portia yeah and I guess for Letty and Lebiso. But, but I think it it's it's kind of a turning point for everyone Because it's, in oh, that I'm trio. a terrible person. Oh, I can't trust that guy. And oh, she found out somehow and now I'm in trouble. Now I'm fucked. Yeah. My whole life has just gone to shit. Now my parents are going to make me marry some woman from my village. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So here's the other thing. If you found out that the person who lived across the hall was royalty actually looking for you when you ask like all the questions like she runs away and i kind of get why shock panic all that good stuff anger rage wouldn't you want to just be like what is happening who are you what the fuck is going on this would have been a really great place for lakotzi to come in and be like listen yeah instead he or instead lakotzi stops the biso yes from chasing her which is also fine because lakotzi is the only clear-headed person in this entire thing. Yeah. And she knows that if she lets the Biso go, it's just going to make things worse. Right. She's like, give her space. Let her think. She'll, she'll come around, but you got to like back off. You got to back off. So the big turning point happens. They're at the gala. Um, 
he's announced as the keynote speaker and she's like wait what that's jamal that's not a prince like that's not the right person here you're wrong what the hell is going on um you know we meet Portia's sister reggie and reggie is a badass and reggie gets her out you know gets her a ride gets her home yes and lakotsi kind of does her job in that she's been sending her emails right but i think that's the only way lakotsi knows how to handle the situation without being in it firsthand so the turning point happens yes and letty says fuck it i'm going back to my normal life i'm going to never think about the Biso jamal again I can do this. I've got an internship that seems like it's going to be okay. Which is Everything's fair. Fine. Because what do overworking people do, such as myself, they just when work harder. something stresses them out? You bury your head in your work. And you're like, it's all fine. It will all go away. I'm going to do this work now. I don't need to look at it. I don't need to think about it. It's gone. It's right. done. You, it's whatever. You just ignore it. But this is where he finally flexes those royal muscles, so mm-hmm. to speak, because he has now demanded a tour of her lab from her based on, I will donate money because I know your grants fell through. This is also the, the moment. best kind of flex. Oh, yeah. The only kind of flex I want from like, a man. I'm totally okay with this flex because like... You know, yeah. Research. I. This is also the moment where Letty takes the moment to tell Brian to kindly go fuck himself. She has snapped, and I loved every second of it. She thought for a moment that she was going to be in trouble. Um, thankfully, her supervisor was like, "Uh, Brian and I are going to have a discussion." Let's point out though that her supervisor is also female. Yes, and it I was in it. her absence that Brian has become a tyrant and a dick. He was such a dick. Literally a dictator. So this is where Letty has a problem because she knows on the one hand she's pissed off and she does not want to see him ever again. But on the other hand, the lab needs funding. It's going to go away. And her boss basically tells her, listen, you don't have a choice. You will do this tour. I love you. You're a great person. You work so hard. But I cannot do this tour. Don't let shitbag Brian do this tour. Right. You have to be the one. He's not going to give us money if it's not you. You have to do it. Which is like, oh, okay. Yeah, well, I and guess she, I'll do it. She gives the tour, but she is not kind. No, and I think he didn't expect any less than it was what she fair. At him. Yeah, it was fair. I, I thought it was fair of her to give him the cold shoulder and because not be kind to him. If you ever had to begrudgingly do something yep. because you're told, yep. you're going to do it, but you're going to be mad. Every day. Oh, all the time. All the time. Which I imagine is how my students feel. I work in self-storage. Okay. I do shit every day that I'm like, I don't want to do this. I really don't want to touch that, but it's my job and I have to. That's a weird way to say that. <laughs> I mean, but that's, I mean, I feel like that's a moment in every job, unfortunately. Yeah. Okay, so he gets the tour, yep. which air quotes around tour, mm-hmm. because it's not really tour because she's so angry. Yep. And he goes, listen, I know that your lab needs money, but that's not actually the reason I'm here. So she's like, great, what are you going to tell me now? And it turns out that he actually needs her for her actual studies, which is also amazing she now has an opportunity 
She gets to flex her muscles. To flex her muscles. Her knowledge of random, disgusting body magic. And her passion. And her passion, yeah. She has a moment to get out of the country, go see her homeland, if you will. Yes. She finds out she has family. She has an uncle, a cousin, and grandparents. And unfortunately, this illness that Thabiso has come to talk to her about, her grandparents have. Right, it's just ravaging this a one section. This, this one section of the of like the solo region. Yes, and this is when she finds out she has a past, and she's more accepting now. She's she like, is. okay, wait, I have actual living family. That's different. Yeah, and so she agrees that she's gonna go to the solo, and she's going to help. Yes. But there's a stipulation. The stipulation is the Biso needs her to act as his betrothed while they're there because his parents are trying to marry him off to Shanti, another girl, because they're sick and tired of his shit. This is a very common thing uh, in a lot of books. The meddlesome parents that just want the best for you. Yeah. Which is like fair. But in this situation, the stipulation is, is that she has to be his betrothed. Right. And they get there and she wants nothing to do with the Bisa. Like, she's so salty about this. She didn't even research where she was going. Yeah, no. She Which shows really up. stupid. Like, regardless of how mad you are, if you're going to a foreign place, you should probably read where you're going. And the temperature. Because that was, like, the first problem was she was, like, really cold. And you're like, wait. Okay, but let's have a discussion about the amazing blanket he has made for her. Because nobody oh can figure gosh. out the pattern. And she looks at the pattern. And she starts laughing. The pattern is gonorrhea. <laughs> he gave her gonorrhea on a blanket. And I, I died laughing. That. I would accept it. I would accept it. So they get there. And we find out that the queen is kind of being a bitch. Mm-hmm. And at first she's like, oh, she's being a bitch. Because she doesn't trust an outsider or whatever. Yeah. And then throughout the ending of the story, we find out that there's a lot more to that. Because the queen was actually best friends with Letty's mom. And took it really personally when Letty's parents fled the solo. And we don't know anything about that because no one tells Letty why they left until the ending. And that ending, I knew from the get-go meeting that fuck face. I was like, this fucker is doing some shady shit. Greasy. He his was whole, greasy. His whole character feels greasy from the beginning. It was so gross. when we find out that he, he meaning her uncle, mm-hmm. we need to elaborate a little bit. Uh, is the first person there to meet her from her family. And he's like, oh, we miss you. We're so glad you're back. And all this stuff. You're like, oh, it's so sweet. It's a reunion. She has a cousin. She has an uncle. She has family. Like, that's so exciting. Yep. But then we find out that her uncle is not that great because he's, like, serving on this commission. He is the financial advisor. Right. And their big thing is that they want to sell parts of the solo to make money because of mining or whatever. Wakanda forever. Okay, so this is, yeah, this is definitely the Wakanda vibes. Like, it was already Wakanda vibes for a lot of this, but it was, like, so strong at this point. And you're like, oh, my God. Kat finished this. Kat finished this before I did. And she texted me and she goes, listen to me. When you get to the end, when you get to the end, it's very Wakanda. And I went, "Uh, it's very Wakanda from the start. But thank you for letting me know. No, but like you okay. understand the level of Wakanda you're going to get. I thought we were going to be like level one Wakanda. Like, oh, they have advanced technology. No, cool. 
No. no, this was legitimate. Like the uncle was Killmonger, <laughs> like trying to take over and be get powerful was, and shit. It was crazy. It was nuts. But I loved every second of it. I'm also a huge Marvel fan. I love superhero shit. So if you want to take off on that, can someone in, like, please? A classy way. Like, yeah, it wasn't a gross fanfic. If someone can write me a classy like Captain America retelling. You will own my entire life. Oh I love Cap. Um, and yeah, it wasn't fanfic at all. I no. have read a and lot I was of fanfic. Worried about that a little bit when we talked about how it was going to be a little Wakanda. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was it did not go the place I thought it was. Going no. To go. So she's adjusting to life. She's doing her medical stuff because this is like a really important case study. And it's going to be her primary research to get through her program. But I still think at the, at the same time, she kind of, she threw herself into that, but it wasn't to the level that I thought Letty would until she met her grandparents. Her grandparents are in the same room. They're yes. in a coma. They're not awake. And holding hands. And holding hands. Oh, they put their hands on a pillow between them and they were holding hands and it was just the saddest and sweetest thing ever. But I don't think she was fully prepared to fight to figure out what this was until she got to meet her grandparents. Right. And so she is now in a war with herself because she wants to solve the problem. Yes. But she's finding that she still very much has feelings for Thabiso, even though he and lied. And that's like a whole new rediscovering because now she's seeing how he is as royalty is not so different from the Jamal that she got to know. Well, the first part of the book is Fabiso seeing Letty's life. Yes. And now the last half of the book is Letty seeing his life. Very circular. Which it was is very great, circular. In a good way. In a great way. And it's difficult for her to kind of decide where she belongs in this world. And uh, she's having a hard time because the queen is being a real bitch. And yeah. she just wants to do her end of the bargain, figure out what the disease is, and get the fuck out of there. Go home. Yeah, that's her full intention. Mm-hmm. But then they have this series of ceremonies that they have to complete. And throughout these, she's seeing a demonstration of of the Biso and his true feelings. Because he had warned her, like, this might just be an ideation from mm-hmm. when I was little. Because we have that picture yep. and that ceremony. And I vaguely remember you. Betrothed. Yeah. And I had all my life been told that this was who I was going to marry. And that was, like, very idealistic. But now we're finding out that through this series of ceremonies that they're actually, actually trying to fall in love here. And she's resisting really, really hard. Yeah. And then they take a trip to where her family is from, which is what her uncle's trying to sell to the highest bidder because he's a dirty, greasy, horrible person. And you find out the reason why he's trying to sell it to the highest bidder is because they're the highest concentrated area of this one material which is not vibranium it's not vibranium as much as i wanted it to be <laughs> it wasn't no. vibranium um first off they have to stop at the bottom of the mountain and they have to ride a donkey up i and, would ride a donkey okay the donkey's name is d'artagnan and i think the donkey is now one of my favorite fictional animals i love d'artagnan if i were to be on a donkey Fabiso is more than welcome to be at my back 
I will wrap my gonorrhea blanket around us together. <laughs> I loved every second of it. And I love that it was a war between the two of their feelings yes. for each other. Um, he wanted to be closer and she did not want to be closer, but then he got closer and then she was like, I'm here for this, but also get the fuck off me. She got, you know, they got to their hometown. She got to see where she was from. Right. She kind of had a moment where she saw the way the orphans of the solo live. Which is way better than any orphanage we have in America. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I hope that somewhere that is true. And that is how people who don't have parents get to experience life. I believe that's what it's like in Haiti. Just not here. Just not here. Yeah. Here is shitty. This is where Fabiso gets to see Letty flex her muscles. In her element, yes. And he's just like, holy shit. She is actually capable and smart and awesome. She is a badass. And, and he I, knew she was capable. I'd like to point that out. It's not a, a revelation. Oh, no. He knew from the get-go it's that she was capable. It's a new kind of, like, a newfound respect, I think, yes. is the best way to put it. Yeah. Like, it's great to know that you are capable of doing something, but it's better to know that you do it with passion and with ease and with precision. And yes. she has all of that. And it's very clear that she is all business. She is. So, there's that. I, at this point, was concerned. Because one of our two main characters had to get sick with whatever this illness is. Well, and of course it wouldn't be him. It wouldn't be him. It was going to be her. And she does get sick with this illness after having to spend a night in a cave. A sexy cave. A sexy cave. With a fire. And a a donkey. donkey. (laughs) Oh, God. They had sex with a donkey. No, the donkey was around the corner. Listen. But the donkey was still there. It's a cave. D'Artagnan knew what was happening. Uh, so they get to the bottom of the uh, of the mountain after having spent the night in a cave. And uh, Letty starts to exhibit some odd behavior. Okay, so I was going to be really mad if she's pregnant. Because I feel like Me that's too. super common in romance novels. It's like, I swear to God, if she's pregnant, I'm going to be so angry. But what does she say every time they have sex and she's she pulls out a condom? She's an epidemiologist. She always has condoms. Which she's is an attitude every human should ever have she's about sex. She's a public health student. You should always have condoms. Have condom. Uh, so she gets really sick. Like really sick. Not just like she might throw up. She like puked she on the queen. <laughs> yeah, that was great. That was <laughs> like not just I'm going to throw up. It was hallucinating a little bit. I can't move. I'm super weak. Lethargic. I am vomiting. Mm-hmm. Just a lot of bad stuff. Yeah. And this is where we find out what the illness is. Come to find out everyone who has grown ill. Yes. Has grown ill because of a tea. Not a tea. An overdose of what's in the tea. Yes. Eng oil. E-N-G oil. And Which is the the like flower of the solo the plant of the solo it's important to point that out because it's something that she mentions she remembers the, the smell about how that smell is really familiar and she loves that jamal smells like that yeah. and it's a gift he gives her a gift yeah. of the ang oil in a rare. necklace yeah and um she has essentially been poisoned and the other people who are ill and comatose at the moment are have also been poisoned yes and we find out that their shitbag Uncle Alec is the reason behind the poisoning. Yep. And then we find out why 
Letty and her parents fled the solo. And it was the shitbag uncle, Alec. He was just awful in so many ways. He was horrible. He was so horrible. So it went from jealousy from his daughter not being chosen. Yep. Who is trying to save Letty and is like, take these vitamins, take these yeah. vitamins. And then Letty stops taking the vitamins. And, and that's, that's where it went wrong. the oil. So that was an issue. So he's kind of a dick. And he essentially Kind of. He's a huge dick. Yeah. Well, it's a thing. He's kind of a dick. And he is essentially threatening to do something about yeah. it. And her parents took that uh, as, your daughter is no longer safe here. You have to go. fled. Yeah. They didn't tell anybody what was going on. They just fled. Yep. And because of all of this happening, Letty woke up sooner than everybody else. She was able to tell everybody, it's the tea. I figured it out. Um, Alec is going through some some shit at this point. Um, and we get to the last chapter. And in the last chapter, it's a two-week jump ahead. Yes. And uh, we have the makeup between Portia and Letty. We have the legal stuff going on with, with Letty's uncle, um, we have the forgiveness of the queen. We have the forgiveness of the queen. Which is really nice because they didn't want to be like evil queens. Yeah, no. But I did also like that Letty said, we may have made up, but I don't think we will ever always see eye to eye. And that's okay. Because you're not really supposed to see eye to eye with your in-laws like, ever. Well, not just that, but she is still an outsider. Yeah. And she does have very American values. Yeah. And we also get after the makeup between Letty and the queen we get the moment of fuck I love you what do I do now and that was the moment where she and Thabiso kind of decided okay we do love each other this wasn't a sham um this was this was real we do we do care for each other and can I just say yes he is a prince yes they are betrothed at no point did he say you cannot leave the country her education still came first. Right. He wanted to go back to New York with her to support her. And he does. And he does. And I fucking loved it. I loved it. I loved every second of it. Um, the wrap up of this uh-huh. was phenomenal. Yeah. I was not disappointed. No. Even with Portia's character, even though we didn't get the full, oh, she finally came around thing. Um, but just the acknowledgement of her personal choices yes. affecting someone else so poorly. Yes. Because that is a big step. I feel like all of the characters were able to wrap up uh-huh. whatever was going on in their lives in a cohesive manner. And Alyssa wrapped up the story in yes. an incredibly cohesive manner. Without hinting at how the characters were going to have spinoffs. Yeah. And I think that's a huge deal because usually at the end it's like, oh, oh, but this is a new mystery. Sarah McLean at the that. end. Oh my or god. Any, any other one the the epilogue me. in A Rogue by Any Other Name not being an actual true epilogue and how angry <laughs> that made me. Um this was a surprise for me. It was great. It was great. I loved the writing style. I it flowed so well. This was, I think, more your style, not because of the content, but because of the writing itself yeah because you struggled a lot with our first one i did i struggled and a lot that was understandable because it was a lot of new and a lot of really very victorian yes difficult to get your mind around concepts yeah. yeah it was so insane but this one was easier to get around and the writing style was great there was a lot of humor yeah which was helpful um because you know what 
sex and romance is supposed to be fun. Yeah, it's, it's supposed, supposed to be, be fun. Super serious. Serious. Like, how boring is that? Ugh. Boring vanilla sex. I don't want like long looks into my eyes and nothing else. Oh what? god, disgusting! Don't look at me with your hard eye emoji face. I don't want that. Oh, I always have a hard eye emoji. Just how my face. I enjoyed it. I one hundred percent am going to read everything that Alyssa Cole writes in the Reluctant Royal series. I will not stop. I own this book. I own both of the novellas that are out currently. I own the second book, what it is called Duke by Default. I am going to be buying the next book. She has quickly become one of my automatic auto buys. Automatic buy. If it's in this series, I'm buying it. All there is to it. All right. I loved it. With that, what is your rating out of a five-star rating? Oh, my gosh. Knowing that you can do quarters and halves. I always feel like this is so dangerous because this is only our second book. <laughs> um, but I'm going to stick it right at the top with the five because this is a different book than what I've written for, or what I've written, oh, my God, than <laughs> what I've read for my age group. Okay. I feel like there are a lot of kind of contemporary romances that are fitting for people who are 10 to 15 years younger than I am mm-hmm. that have the same kind of strong characters and strong women. And this it's kind of a genre that's really lacking for people who are 25 and up. Yeah. Yeah. And I appreciated just the attention to detail. And I really like that I could connect with having a social cell membrane. <laughs> like a whole lot I connected with that. And just as a woman who's a minority that works in not really a male-dominated field, but a male-dominated workplace. Yes. And I felt like I really liked that wasn't, even though the ideas were fantastical, Mm -hmm. like they were, ah, this world crazy, they weren't so far-fetched that you're like, oh, no, that's not a thing. Yeah. And I think I really appreciate that down-to-earthness. And I think just being able to relate to all of the characters Rather than having just that one character. Yeah. Because even though I didn't like Portia. You could still relate to her. I could relate to her in different ways. Yeah. I unfortunately saw a lot of previous friends in Portia. Which is why I didn't like her very much. So going off of your rating. Yes, my five star rating. Your five star rating. Uh, first off, Alyssa Cole deserves every she, single I one mean, of those as a stars. She person gets a five star rating based off of her writing. Oh yeah, oh a hundred percent. Like I didn't personally meet her, but it sounds like we would just. She gets a five star rating. Oh yeah. Uh, so I have a general rule about rating books immediately after reading them. I have to give myself at least twenty four hours before I give it a rating, and here's why. I finished the book last night, and when I finished, I was tired. Um, I gave it a 4.5. However, I have had 24 hours to think about it. Sure. It is a five-star read. And I do not give most romances a full five stars. It makes me nervous. To to give a five-star right out of the gate? For us to be like, yes, this is amazing. Because I... First of all, I want to point out something that on the front cover, one of the people that's written a review is Meg Cabot, which is a pen name for someone else. But I, when I was younger, I loved Meg Cabot. Mm -hmm. And so it's really fitting that she has reviewed this book because her writing is what I'm talking about, the strong female characters and, you know, all the differences because she writes stuff Mm -hmm. about, like, ghosts. Yeah. 
I remember. You have to read the Medium series. You have to. It's just so good. <laughs> it's like One teenager day. stuff, but it's so good. Uh, please remember that I have roughly 500 books in my home. I'll get to it eventually. Uh, I am so happy that we read this particular book and this particular author. Yes. I am not concerned about giving our second book on the podcast a full five-star rating. Um, not at all. So I'm I'm quite happy to do I'm so. Because we don't know what we're We don't know we what know. we're getting into. Uh, we do know that on the next episode, we are going to be discussing the novella written by Alyssa Cole called Once Ghosted, Twice Shy. This was a decision made by me, because because of your obsession with Lakotsi, I love That's her. That's the whole reason we're reading this, and I don't <laughs> want to sound like I'm complaining. I just feel like this is a dangerous precedent. Uh, no, this is what we're gonna do mostly because uh, we recorded last week, and I hated it. I hated it a lot, I and didn't I was even listen to. No, it. you didn't want to. The sound was horrifying. Um, we re-recorded the episode, and we decided in a group chat that we have that we were going to cover the entire book and I didn't feel right covering the entire book in one episode and just leaving Alyssa Cole to be. I felt that she deserved the two episodes like we gave to Sarah McLean and a rogue by any other name. Sure. And I felt the best way to give Alyssa her deuce was by reading one of the novellas. And because you're obsessed with Lakotsi. I mean, we had the other option to read Reggie's story. And I asked, are we reading Reggie's or are we reading Lakotsi? And we said, it's up to you. And I said, you already told us who we're reading. And I said, perfect. We're reading Lakotsi. Of course you did. <laughs> I love it's her. It's a dangerous precedent. Well, and a lot of the reason why I want to read her too is I have never read a romance novel that is a female female romance novel novella uh i have read male male romance lord help me i have read a lot of male male romance um whether that be in published actual published books or fan fiction listen to me i have read a fuck ton of gay fan fiction i'll state it out loud right now but i have never read a female female romance of any kind and so i'm really excited to kind of delve into that and i listened to um there's a wonderful podcast called boobies and newbies and um it's run by kelly and kelly she reads the romance with friends of hers that have not read romance normally and they covered once ghosted twice shy and that episode just immediately said you have to read Alyssa Cole. So I want to read it and I think it would be a great opportunity to have the opportunity to do it. I said opportunity too many times in one sentence. I'm not apologizing. So we're going to read Once Ghosted, Twice Shy next. And I hope you guys like it, even though you are both very straight. It's just me trying to live my queer dreams. (laughs) I mean, you know that you can read whatever you want, right? I know. I own it. I'm allowed to. So I think at this point we have thoroughly discussed a princess in theory. And at this point we're going to say thank you for listening. And don't forget to rate, comment, and subscribe. And also check out our social media. 
And if at any point you want to suggest a book for the girls and I to read, shoot us an email. All of that information will be in the show notes. Um, have and a good night. New blog. Oh, and we've got our new blog coming yeah. up. Uh, so that's a thing that Kat is working on. I'm really excited to see it and put some input into it. So if there's anything that you guys want to see from us or something that you want us to read or cover, definitely drop us a line. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us through our email, through the blog. We're going to link all of that, like I said, in the show notes. So at this point, we're going to say thank you for listening and bye. bye.